Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. You are a treasure that's hidden in a field and those who find you sell all they have to attain you, and oh, how blown away are we with your presence, how majestic, how wonderful, your grace, your power, your glory. So we ask that you would be with us now, Lord, and I just pray for your presence. Lord, we pray for your spirit, and and Jesus, I pray humbly that you would anoint me for this time. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Okay, friends, so... We have limited time. Let's get straight into it. We're going to go to Acts chapter 19. My name is Edwin. um, And we're going to be Acts chapter 19 verses 1 to 7. So there's this guy, his name is Paul. And as it happened, that while Apollos was at Corinth, think Corinthians, Paul passed through the inland country and he came to Ephesus, think the book of Ephesians. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we didn't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into that then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. They were about 12 or so. Friends, so this passage is the number one passage that is preached in the world for church unity. I don't know if we can, can get that slide. You see, we've got to be, that was supposed to be a joke, um, said no one ever. So it's, in fact, very contra... didn't work. It didn't work. Andries, ons moet op het weer achter. Okay, lekker, lekker, lekker. Now that you're all with me. Um, so this is an extremely controversial um, piece of passage, but it contains so much life. There's so much in this. There's so much more for the church. God loves us, and He gifts us with good gifts for the mission. And He equips us and He wants to walk with us because God loves us, absolutely loves us. And now you need to know what happened here that Paul was in the Corinthian church um, or Apollos was busy with the Corinthians and what we know from Scripture is that they were a bunch of crazy charismatics. And Paul met these guys at the church of Ephesus. And if you think of the, the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, Paul is always nudging them onto more, saying, guys, there's so much more. I'm so proud of you. You're doing so well. But I just want you to read in Ephesians how many times um, Paul tells them in Christ. We've been blessed with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. All we have in this in Christ, in Christ. So he's just telling them, guys, it's wonderful. I know you have Jesus, but in Jesus, there is so much more than just knowing him. There's so much more. He gives us with gifts, good gifts, and He walks with us, and His presence is there. He, in, in chapter 6, He tells them, when He speaks about the armor of God, He says, continue, pray without ceasing. Be in the Spirit all day. Take out the, it speaks about the sword. 
It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. When we speak about the Holy Spirit, there needs to be some ground rules because things can get crazy and things can get out of hand and people can just be annoyingly annoying. Okay, um, so we're going to look at Jesus, and I, I think I think whenever we do things, and especially about the Holy Spirit, so it's a good thing to look at the Holy Spirit at, at Jesus. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came from heaven to earth. If we can have that on the screen, that's that's uh, that's that, that'd be great. Um, and and this is a very important picture. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He left a kingdom for dust. He left uh, perfection, he left order, he left peace, perfect harmony, all of that stuff to be in a tumultuous world uh, in a crazy time. Okay? He left a, a palace for no home whatsoever. Jesus is a humble, humble man. Then his feet was firmly planted here. He was completely sane and in touch with reality. He was not a weirdo with a beardo. Very important. People were drawn to Jesus. All people, and those who took offense were those who were religious. People with sin, people, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, harlots, they were all attracted to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was walking in step with the Spirit, and he didn't have to wave a flag or be extremely relevant and cool-looking or anything like that. He could speak and he could address every hurt inside of every person. Why? Because he was walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Because that is Jesus. And, and because he's in step with the Spirit, he could look at you and he, he could say, this, I love you. This address, this, like that. John chapter, if you read the woman broke at the well, that, that's who Jesus is. And he could do that because he was walking with, um, in, in step with the Spirit. And then we stumble upon tonight a man, a pastor, an apostle. His name is Paul. And Paul is a phenomenal man. And I'm pretty confident that Paul was not a flag-waving, charismatic, shofar-blowing person. Not that there is anything wrong with that. Not that there is anything wrong with being a very charismatic person. Just when I read scripture and I read about the life of Paul, he's not charismatic. So the way for us to see it, I thought of this picture and I thought it's pretty, pretty good, that Paul was a man who... Um, it's the same team. We, we, we're rooting for the same team. But while Paul is watching the game intently and you're waving your flag, woo, we're winning, we're winning. He's saying, shut up, I know we're winning, but I understand the rules. You don't know anything about the game. Okay? That's, 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 that's who Paul is. And, and, and so he's, he experiences the same euphoria, the same joy, the same everything. And he knows we're winning, but he wants to look at the game. And what this separates Paul from everyone else, that he is able to articulate to a T that is what is happening inside of him, in the spiritual realm around him, and in the spirit of other people and, and cities, etc., etc. He gets is to see a picture that we do not get to see. And what makes him a remarkable man is that he is able to address and put it exactly, explain it to us. So he's watching this game, but he gets it. And we just people, and he gets it. So let's, let's park it for there. So this passage, we see though, it's different because we, I'm sure Paul, the pastor Paul, is not charismatic whatsoever. When you read his letters, he's not charismatic. But then you read the book of Acts. 
And the thing about the letters that was written by Paul, the book of Acts is a count of the life of Paul. So Luke, the physician, he was a doctor, he wrote the gospel according to Luke, and also he, he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Luke wrote this, and he saw Paul in action, and horror of horrors, he gives us an account of a highly charismatic man operating in the gifts of the Spirit, because this is someone else who's speaking about Paul. And let's just, um, let's just see what, 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 what we um, have to do here. So here in chapter 2, uh, in chapter 19, verse 2, we read that, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then he laid hands on them, and he prayed over them. And this basis, this verse is, raises the question, that causes so much turmoil and so much division in the church. But this scripture is absolutely vital for us. And we can't hide away from it. We can't pretend that it's not there. It's there in scripture. And what do we make of it? And this leads us to the question, um, if there is good biblical basis for the Pentecostal understanding of baptism with the Holy Spirit. And what I mean to say with baptism with the Holy Spirit, um, baptism with the Holy Spirit is simply that there is a definite experience of the Holy Spirit to be sought after after conversion. So once you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, there is a, a, a secondary experience or encounter with the Holy Spirit to be sought after. So this passage in Scripture leads us to this question. And there are three camps. Let me just tell you, people are not happy. They are fighting with one another, and you hold one of three views. There are, or if you read commentaries, there are three views about um, this, this particular portion of Scripture. The first uh, view is that where it's, it's, the, it's the view where... If we there, there's a group that says that these guys were genuine believers. They received the Holy Spirit after the laying on of hands, and therefore that there is a definite receiving of the Holy Spirit of a baptism of the Spirit to be sought after and to be experienced. So that's that's the first group, and there are many um, evangelicals who also say, yeah, we absolutely believe it. Then there's a second group, and they say that these guys were not true believers because they were baptized with John's baptism, okay, and not baptized in the name of Jesus, and therefore they're not saved. But that leads us to a whole other can of worms. We're jumping to Galatians pretty soon. We're going to do it. So you can start reading Galatians. And Galatians come down to one thing. We say, by grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone, for the glory of God alone. That's why we are saved. And there's a, a group that say that... These guys were not really saved because they didn't re receive the, entire, the real baptism, which leads to the question, does our work save ourselves? If I get baptized, that's, does that save me? And, and, and the answer is no. So then there's a third group, and they say that uh, these events did in fact take place in history for a special time in the moment of church, that God ordained and appointed that to happen in that point in time in history just to kind of kickstart the church, to give it a little nudge early on just so that it can spread throughout uh, all areas. And uh, the, so, so, so that's, that, that's what's out there. The, those, those are the camps. And let me tell you, people are not happy. The one camp is fighting with the other camp, etc., etc., and instead of us playing ping pong all night saying, yeah, but what about this, what about, let's just look to the Bible, okay? Let's go to Scripture and let's see what, um, what, what it says. Um, I would start 
by saying in the book of Acts, everywhere we read, the receiving of the Holy Spirit is experiential. You can experience it. It's something that you feel. It is not something that you assume. You can't say, well, um, I, I raised my hand, I said a prayer, and, and now I've, I've got the Holy Spirit. The, and if we read Scripture, we see whenever the Spirit came on people, they didn't guess. They knew exactly what was happening. They knew that this was dramatic. They knew that this was uh, an experience of God, an experience with God, an encounter with God, and, and, and they could only point to God. It is, it, you, you can't assume that you have the Holy Spirit. It is something that you know, I've got the Holy Spirit, or, or not, or I've, I've, I've been baptized with the Spirit, or not, or I have had encounters with the Spirit, or not. Let me illustrate this to you from um, chapter 19, verse 2. The situation, Paul came to Ephesus, he fought, found disciples there, so there were 12 guys, and he asked them this question. Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? They said, no. And he detects that something is wrong. He says, okay, that's interesting. Um, he said, so have you received the, the Holy... Sorry. He didn't say, have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? He said, have you been baptized with the Spirit? So Paul meets these guys. He, they have a coffee. They have a tea. He walks with them a bit, and, and they say something's off. I can't put my finger on this, but I just know something is not lacking here. He says, okay, guys, uh, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? They say, we didn't even know there is the Holy Spirit. He says, okay, aha, uh-huh. you believe in Jesus, you get it, cool, but there is the Holy Spirit and it's to be experienced, and he laid hands on them. Very importantly, the Holy Spirit um, is to be experienced. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's what we read in verse 2. So he's speaking a language as if there is a way to know that you have encountered and experienced the Holy Spirit. He talks us, he tells us that you can know for a fact that, 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 that the Spirit of God is at work in your life. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed was the question. He expects the person who's received the Holy Spirit to know not because it's a logical step, not because it's an assumption, not because he's raised my hand, I've been going to church, and now I've got the Spirit of God at work in me. He expects us that this is an experience that you can point to. It's a point in time in your life that you can point to. And this runs through straight to the book of Acts. Page after page, you see this. Um, Luke expects a real identifiable experience and encounter with the Holy Spirit. And full time, the, the just, the point is very simple, and the main point is this. Whether Luke expects these kinds of effects to happen in one initiatory receiving of the Holy Spirit, so that is a possibility. The, the, you have an, a dramatic God encounter, and you know you've encountered the King of Kings, and you know you've been equipped and empowered by His Spirit. Secondly, it can be a two-step process. So these guys... Acts chapter 19, two-step process. They have received Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but they were not yet baptized with the Spirit. Then there was a laying on of hands, and they were baptized with the Spirit. And what followed was speaking in tongues and prophesying in that instance. And then there's a, 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 a third process, which is an ongoing sequence of fillings or some combination of these three, three things. One thing is clear. Luke expects us to know if we have had encounters with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is personal. 
God is personal. He, will, he cares deeply about you. And He doesn't want you to guess him um, mm, and ah. Uh, he wants you to know Him intimately. He wants to reveal Himself to you intimately. God wants to empower you. He wants to equip you for His mission. And He wants you to know that you are equipped and you are able to go and take the message. And you go with that power. It's an identifiable experience with the living God. There is no promise in the book of Acts that everyone who receives the Spirit must speak in tongues or prophesy. And we're not saying that. We're not preaching or proclaiming that now if you receive the Spirit, you must speak in tongues or you must prophesy. It's gift to be desired, for sure. But it doesn't say in Scripture that if hands are laid on you, you need to do it. It it, it simply does not say that. So the question to, to you that I have tonight is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe. However it comes, if it's one step, if it's a one encounter with God, have you had a genuine encounter with God where He has captivated your heart, soul, mind, everything, and His power has come over you, and you know that you have an encounter with the living God? That's, that's my question. Have you experienced the reality of that? It's not just an idea about a spiritual condition we infer or about a decision that we've made. It is a supernatural encounter with God. Friends, I would like to close tonight and uh, just remember God is free. He can do whatever He wants. He can touch who, whoever He wants. He, he, can, he, he doesn't dwell in places made by, by human hands. He uses vessels. He, he uses us. But if I look at tonight's passage, I see a non-charismatic pastor who laid his hands on people who has not yet experienced or been filled with the Holy Spirit. And God gave good gifts. So my question for, for, you, for you is now, do you know for sure? Have you been baptized um, in the Spirit? And, and, and if the answer is no, we want to pray for you. Absolutely, this, this, is, this is not something um, super spiritual. I just have a desire to pray for you. And perhaps I can share a little bit of my own story. I grew up in a, a Dutch Reformed church and these things were extremely foreign to me. I, I was 25. I've had experiences with God. I've walked with God and, and, and at intimate moments. So I would say I, I definitely can point back that the Spirit of God was at work in my life. And then I was invited. Um, we, we, we prayed at someone's house and, and, and a lady, her name is Jane Flack and, and another man, David, um, they, 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 they prayed for me. And I was just overcome by the, the power and the presence of God. And Dutch Reformed background had, had, had no, and, and, and subsequently it's, it's happened a couple of times, and it's, some, it's a continual thing, I, I, you know, that, that is one way. And I just want to encourage you. I just felt, honestly, just want to pray you, and, and I just want to pray for you. And the one thing that is throughout Scripture constantly the same, why does God pour his spirit out on us. Jesus says in chaps in chaps in Acts chapter one. Chaps, God says, Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, and you will receive power when my spirit comes upon you to what? To evangelize, to go to Judea, to, to preach and proclaim the gospel to the religious people, to Samaria, to people who's far from God. That's that's the sign if you've got the Spirit of God in your life, that you will be able to witness his gospel. 
That's, that's the sign. That's the mark of a true believer. So this is not a physical thing I want to do. And, and I, I just felt tonight, I want to pray for people. Um, it's shorter. I just want to pray for people that you would be filled with the Spirit, that you would have a, a genuine encounter with God. And what we're going to do now, Ron and Caroline, if I can ask you, if you can pray with me, Una and um, Andrew, if you guys, Mark and Gabo, and, and what we're going to do as the band comes up, I just simply want to say, if you desire to have an encounter with God, I just want to pray with you. just want to pray with you. And the reason that we do this is to be equipped for mission, to witness, to religious, to people who's far away from God. This doesn't make mean that you're a second-rate Christian. I, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I just look at Scripture and I see a conservative pastor, a Bible-believing pastor who came across some men who believed in Jesus and he said, but you don't have the Spirit. And that disturbed him. And he said, let me pray for you because there's so much more. And then you go read the book of Ephesians and he says, in Jesus there is so much more. And my heart is for you to walk with Jesus intimately into the so much more that he has. And what helps us on that journey, what helps us with that walk with Jesus is the Holy Spirit. It's the gift that he gives to us. It's the gift that he gives to us. It's the power of God at work in our lives. And he gives good gifts because he loves us. God loves you and he wants to reveal himself to you in an even greater way.